Hey everyone, welcome to the Tulia Christian Fellowship Podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to give online, see upcoming events, or view our service times, please visit our website at tcf.church. Hey, I want to read to you this morning out of 2 Corinthians, and I want to talk to you this morning about who are you pleasing in your life. Who are you pleasing? And so I want to start this morning with 2 Corinthians. I'm going to start in chapter 5, and I'm going to read one verse to start, and I want you to listen to this, and then we're going to talk about it. 2 Corinthians 5, 6, the NIV translation says, therefore, we are always confident. Now, stop right there. Therefore, we are always confident. Now, here's the first thing I want you to see this morning. Anytime you're reading your Bible, and you see the word therefore, I want you to ask yourself, what is it therefore? Well, the verses preceding this are talking about death. They're talking about you getting old, your body wearing out, you beginning to groan and moan in old age, and it refers to our flesh, our body, our earth suit as a tent. And it says that we want to put off this tent. It says that it doesn't say that we want to die, but that we want to put off this tent. And then when we do, that scripture says that we are swallowed by life. Now, listen to me. If you've had a loved one die, they were not swallowed by death, they were not swallowed by disease, they were not swallowed by addiction. The scripture in Corinthians says, that they were swallowed by life. When you die and when I die, the angels are going to come for you and you're going to literally be swallowed by the life and by the grace of God. Now it says, therefore, because of that, you and I can be confident. No matter what's your situation, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what's going on in your body, you and I can be confident because death does not win, life wins, and we're swallowed by life. Now, let me continue to read. It says, therefore, we're always confident and know that as long as we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. Let me explain that to you. You and I are in our bodies this morning. We're sitting in Tulia Christian Fellowship. That scripture says as long as you and I are at home in our bodies, we're away from the Lord. Now, what does that mean? Well, that means that the Lord Jesus Christ is in heaven and God the Father is in heaven. It also means that the Holy Spirit is here on the earth. Let me explain the book of Acts to you very simply. The book of Acts, three things happened. Jesus went up. He ascended. The Holy Spirit came down and the believers went out. We always talk about this in Power Kids and Ground Zero. Where's God? Well, now, I know God's everywhere. He's he's everywhere, but he's also in heaven. Jesus is everywhere because he's God, but he is seated at the right hand of the Father. The Holy Spirit is here on the earth. He's our helper. He's our comforter. He's our power and our strength. Then the devil, I always ask the kids this, where's the devil? You know what they'll always say? He's down there. He's, and they don't say hell because they get in trouble, right? So they'll say, he's in the bad place. 
Okay, but what we've taught them and what the Scripture teaches is that is not true. Now, the devil will spend eternity in the lake of fire, but right now he is not in hell. He's on the earth. He's on the earth. That's why the world is broken. That's why people climb in windows in Las Vegas and shoot innocent people at concerts. That's why they fly airplanes into buildings and kill innocent people because he's loose on the earth. But you and I have the Lord Jesus Christ and we've been given authority over the enemy in our life. The scripture says right here that you and I are confident even though we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. But listen to the next sentence. For we live by faith and not by sight. When Jesus rose from the dead, the disciples met in a closed room. They, they did that because they were afraid. They were afraid of the Jews, and they were afraid they were going to get in trouble. They were afraid they'd be crucified next. Jesus has died on the cross. He's raised from the dead, and he appears out of thin air in the room with them. One moment he's not there, the next minute he is there. And they encounter him, and they talk to him. Thomas happens to not be there. And so they run and they grab Thomas and they say, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe it. Jesus appeared to us in the room and we were hiding out and he came and he talked to us. And you know what Thomas said? You're right. Now, I don't believe it. That's why we call him Doubting Thomas. Eight days later, they're back in that same room and Jesus appears to them again. Eight days now, eight days later, he appears out of thin air and he's flesh. He's not a ghost. And here's what Jesus said. He said, hey, Put your finger in the nail holes in my hand. Go ahead and put your hand in the side where the spear pierced me. Now, here's what's interesting. Jesus has a glorified, resurrected body. And when you and I see him and we throw our arms around him and we hug him, there's going to be nails in it, prints in his hand. There's going to be that in his side, and it's going to be on his feet. Listen, he forever bears the scars of your redemption. He forever bears the scars of our salvation, and we'll be reminded of it for all of eternity. Here's what he tells Thomas. He says, Thomas, you've seen and you believe, but blessed are those who haven't seen and yet believe. You see, you in this room are blessed. You know why I know you're blessed? Because you haven't seen, but you believe. Surely, I know you believe. And you've never seen Jesus physically, but you believe. And Jesus himself said, because of that, you are blessed. He said, Thomas, you see and believe, but all those who are going to come after you, they haven't seen. Now, listen, we're going to see someday. Absolutely. I'm going to see Jesus face to face, and he's going to look at me, and he's going to love me, and I'm going to love him. And my life, we're never going to be the same, and we're going to be together for all of eternity. You know, my father passed away 40 five years ago. I was 18 as a kid. And for a long time in my life, I would think to myself, the moment I get to heaven, I cannot wait to see my father and I'm going to run and I'm going to jump in his arms and I'm going to hug his neck because I'm going to be so happy to see him. And I hung on to that for years and years and years. But now it has changed. You know why it's changed? Because I want to see Jesus first thing. Then after I see Jesus, I want to see my dad and all the other loved ones in my life. The scripture I just read says that you and I live by faith, not by seeing. We live by faith and not by sight. Now listen to the next verse. It says we are confident. Now that's the second time that word's used. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. You know what the King James says? 
It says if you're absent from the body, you're present with the Lord. If you're absent from the body, you're present from the Lord. In the last 10 days, my sister-in-law passed away. And she's absent from her body. She was cremated. And listen, it doesn't matter if you're cremated. It doesn't matter if you're buried. Listen, it does not matter what happens to your body. Listen, I want you to understand this because people can struggle with this. Listen, cremation doesn't matter. Being buried uh, as it, with your body doesn't matter because the Bible says Jesus is going to come and that you and I are going to be changed in the twinkling of an eye and the Spirit of God is going to redo your DNA and whether your ashes... Think about people who were buried 2,000 years ago in the dirt. The Bible says they go back to dust. Their bodies don't exist anymore. But you and I are going to have a supernatural, glorified, resurrected body and we're going to be together with Jesus forever and ever for all of eternity. All right, my sister-in-law passed away in the last 10 days, and she's not with her body anymore. She's present with the Lord. Now, let me keep reading. He says, so we make it our goal to please him. Stop right there. Now, all this time, we've been circling. That's all we've been doing. And I've been giving you truth. But this is what I want you to see this morning right here in this scripture. Listen to it again, and let me read it to you. It says, we make it our goal to please God. We make it our goal to please him, whether we're at home in the body or we're away from it. Now, listen. If you've ever wondered what your loved ones are doing in heaven, they're doing a lot of cool things. But one of the things they do is they worship God. I read a book, uh, and I preached on about people that had near-death experiences And a lot of them said in their near-death experience when they saw Jesus, all they wanted to do was worship him forever. That's all they wanted to do. So when you gather in the house of God or you put on good music in your car or you put it on in your house and you worship God, it's as if you're right with your family, your loved ones who are in heaven, and as they're worshiping God, you're worshiping God. That scripture says right there, whether you're in heaven or whether you're on the earth. Listen, you know what my family wants to do in heaven? Well, they want to please God. You know what I want to do here on the earth? I want to please God. We're doing the same thing. Listen to what it says. It says, my goal, my goal is to please him. Now, let me explain to you what that means. A goal in the original language means an intense desire to please. Here's what the Holy Spirit showed me. In my lifetime, I've had two Labrador Retrievers. Kurt has one now. And if you know, it's a sporting dog. And if you know anything about sporting dogs, and I know they're not all the same, but a lab loves to chase a ball. And the labs that I've had, they'll chase a ball all afternoon. They'll chase it till your arm falls off. I mean, you know, I know people that, you know, y'all seen that little sling people buy and you put that tennis ball in it. That's because your arm's about to break and fall off and you can throw it farther than you naturally could and you hopefully wear them out before your arm breaks. Well, if you've ever had a sporting dog, you know, you can set them down on their haunches in front of you and you hold that ball and they'll just literally quiver. They'll literally, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? They'll literally shake and quiver waiting for you to throw that ball. And if you want to be mean, you know, you act like you're throwing it, but you don't, you know, and they'll chase after, they're chasing nothing and you know it and they'll stop and they'll look and then they'll come back and they'll wait for you to throw it. All right, here's the point. They have an intense desire to please you. 
Now, I know dogs don't always want to please you. I understand that. Kurt's got a lab, and she's a fun dog. She's a great dog. And I'll go get her at his house and take her up to my house, and she'll hang out at my house. But she has a mind of her own. And when, she, when you want her to come to you and she won't, she runs, man. You, you, I mean, you're chasing her in the pickup, you know. And I wouldn't do this, but you think, man, if I had a rifle, I would stop that dog, right? I mean, that, that's how frustrated you feel sometimes. So she has a mind of her own. But the point is this. She wants to please you. That's exactly what the word gold means. Listen, for you to have an intense desire, almost a quivering desire, that God, I want my life to please you. Listen to what it says. It says that, uh, excuse me, hang on a second. We make it our goal to please him, whether we're at home in the body or whether we're away. Colossians 1.10. We're not gonna show it to you on the screen. This is a prayer that Paul prayed, and I pray it over you regularly. Every Wednesday we meet as a staff, and I pray that prayer over you. Listen, when you pray God's word, you pray God's will. Now, listen, this is good. Lots of times people worry about what the will of God is. Well, I wonder what God's will is. You know, you ever heard anybody say that? Lord, Lord, you know, do this, do that. I almost said, let me win the lottery. Lord, let me win the lottery. But I didn't, I, didn't, I thought I better not say that, okay. I don't pray that, and I know you, you better not pray it, amen. But we pray things, and here's what happens. You end that prayer with, Lord, if it's your will. Can I help you? Jesus prayed that one time. In his three-year ministry, he prayed it one time. And he prayed it at the garden before he went to the cross. And then we've built entire doctrines on that one prayer. Listen, I'm not saying there's not times to pray that. But don't pray it after every prayer. You don't have to pray it after every prayer. Listen, God's word is his will. And when you pray God's word, you pray God's will. I pray a prayer in Colossians and Ephesians over every one of you. And it is 100% the will of God. And I pray it over you every single week. The staff prays it over you. Anytime you find a promise in God's word, put your name in it and pray it over you and your family and you're praying the will of God. And you don't ever have to pray, Lord, if it's your will, because his word is his will. Here's that sentence. Paul said that he prayed that you would have a strong desire to please God in everything. A strong desire to please God in everything. Listen, I pray that over you regularly. Now, let's just take a minute and talk about who you please. Okay, I've got a list here of people that you're trying, or things that you're trying to please. The first one is self. Now, listen, right now, this morning, I have four kinds of Bluebell ice cream in my freezer. Okay, I have Rocky Road. I have Cookie Two-Step. Okay, Annie calls it the blue ice cream. Okay, because, yeah, yeah, because it's in the blue carton, right? And she'll say, uh, Pops, can I have blue ice cream? And the answer is, yes, baby, you can have blue ice cream. The other kind I have is no sugar added vanilla. That's when I'm feeling guilty and I'm pretending like I'm on a diet and I'll eat no, no sugar added vanilla. Okay, all right. The fourth kind I have are those little tiny cups, you know, the little cups. I bought those for Annie and they're little and the only problem is with those, I love those, but the only problem is I'd eat five of them, right? You know, y'all done it, haven't you? Yeah, you, yeah, you dump them out in the bowl five at a time. Okay, all right. 
Do you know why I have four kinds of ice cream in my freezer? Because I don't have room for five. That's why. Listen, all of us want to please ourselves. All of us do. All of us want to please self. How about others? Okay, a lot of times there's pressure on us to please people. When Jesus was alive and in his ministry on the earth, people's lives were being changed. People were being saved. People were being healed. People were being delivered from demons. People's lives were being changed. But they were afraid of the religious leaders in the synagogue. You see, Jesus' ministry was to the nation of Israel, to the Jews. And they didn't go to church. They went to the synagogue, and they went on Saturday. Well, if you stood up and said, hey, I think I'm going to follow this Jesus of Nazareth, they would put you out of the synagogue. They wouldn't let you come anymore. And it says in the Scripture that people wanted to follow Jesus but they did it privately. They did it secretly because they did not want to be put out of the synagogue. And then here's what Jesus said. He said, they are men pleasers more than God pleasers. My question to you this morning is, who are you pleasing? Are you pleasing yourself? Are you pleasing others? If you're married, now listen, I love my wife and I want to please her. And if you're in here and you're married and you're a smart man, you want to please your wife. It's a smart thing to do. But a lot of times we want to please our spouse. The other is maybe our boss. Now, I don't want my boss mad at me. None, none of us do. And, but we want to please our boss. Then how about friends? Man, friends can have a lot of negative influence in your life. And a lot of times we'll drift into darkness because we want to please our friends instead of pleasing God. And then the last one is our culture. Okay, what I'm asking you this morning is where is your heart and who do you want to try to please in your life. Now, I want to go down to another verse. I want to go to 2 Corinthians 5, 15. Listen to this verse. It says, and he died for all, talking about Jesus, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Would you leave that up? Look at what it says. It says, Jesus died for every one of us. We know that. Why? That those who live should no longer live for themselves. Listen, the call of God in your life is for you to live for him. Now, I've lived a long time for myself. Many of you have. Do you know what Lord means? It means boss. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. What does that mean? Well, that means he redeemed me, and that means he's my boss, and I want to please him, and I want to do what he says. Look what this says. It says that all those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him. Well, why should I live for him, Pastor? Because he died, and he was raised from the dead, and I want to have a desire to please God. I don't want to live for myself. I don't, want my, now, I don't want my life to be about my own desires and my own wants. And it doesn't mean you can't have the things you want. I'm not saying that. But that ultimately, God, I want my life to please you. Now, I'm going to scoot up a verse. I want to go to 2 Corinthians 5.10. I'm going to back up a little bit. Let me read you something. Listen to this. It says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due to us for the things we've done in the body, in the body, in the body. Listen, it matters how you live. Amen? That, come on, y'all. It matters how you live. Amen? Amen. It matters how you live, whether good or bad. Let me explain this to you. Every single one of you in this room, if you know Jesus as your Savior, are going to stand before Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ. What does that mean? 
Well, the word judgment in the original language is the word bema, B-E-M-A, bema. It's Greek. And what it means is reward. All right, this does not determine whether you go to heaven or hell. You see, you've already decided that. You see, when I was a 12-year-old kid, the pastor came to my house, and I sat down on my mama's couch that was, uh, I could close my eyes and feel it. It was kind of that velour, and it was green, and it was paisley. And, and that woman loved that couch, and if you ate on it, you would die, okay? She did not let me eat ice cream on her couch. Well, the Baptist pastor came to our house, and he explained the gospel. He told the story of the good news that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead on the third day, and that if I believed that, I could go to heaven for all of eternity. And I said yes to Jesus. And that moment, I went from death to life. That moment, I went from judgment to grace. Listen, the Bible says that if you don't believe, you're already condemned. You don't have to die to be condemned. You're condemned already. At that moment, I said yes to Jesus. The moment you said yes to Jesus, you are no longer condemned. Because you know Christ is your Savior, when you die, you will stand at the reward seat of Christ. Not the judgment. The original language is reward. What does it mean? It means that when you stand before Jesus, he's going to reward you for the life that you've lived and for the things that you've done because you're his child. It does not determine whether you're going to heaven or going to hell. You, you, you already decided that. God didn't decide it. You decided it, amen? He made the way and then you said yes. There is another judgment. It's called the white throne judgment. And it's at the end of time. And the Bible says it's for the dead. What do you mean, Pastor? Those who are spiritually dead. Y'all know what Christianity is, right? Christianity is not about making bad people good. It's about making dead people alive. You see, before you found Jesus, you were dead on the inside. Then when you found Christ, you became alive. Okay, the dead, those who don't know Jesus, will stand before God at the white throne judgment. And there is a book called the Lamb's Book of Life. And that book will be opened and their name will not be found in it. You see, my name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And when you go down that list and you get to the G's, you're going to find Rusty Gray. You're going to find Harold Gray. That's my dad. You're going to find Lynn Gray. That's my brother. You're going to find uh, Elmer Gray or Grandpa Gray, my granddad who got saved on his deathbed. He's written in that book. But at the White Throne Judgment, their names are not in that book. And it says because their names are not in that book, they will not be allowed to enter heaven. Listen, my name's in that book right now. Your name is in that book right now if you know Jesus as your Savior. And no one has the power to take your name out of that book. Are you listening to me? No one has the power. There's not some kind of heavenly eraser, right? Man, Rusty hit his thumb with a hammer and said a bad word, erase his name. No, that's stupid, amen? I'm not trying to be crude, but it's true. It's not true. But at the judgment seat of Christ, two things are gonna happen. Your life is gold, silver, and precious stone, or it's wood, hay, and it's stubble. That's in Corinthians. Listen to me. Jesus said in the book of John, he said, without me, you can do nothing. What does that mean? Hey, I go to work. You go to work. You go to work. We do all kinds of things every day. What does that mean? Well, here's what it means. Without me, you can do nothing 
of eternal value. Now, let me explain this to you. This will so help you. Work is honored by God. God honors work. So it does not matter what your occupation is. It doesn't matter if you're a stay-at-home mother or if you're a doctor. It doesn't matter if you're a nurse or if you're a pilot. It doesn't matter if you work at the school or you work at Swisher Electric. Now listen, listen, this will help you. All work is honored by God. Who categorizes people as our culture? Our culture says, well, a doctor is more important than this person, or maybe a scientist is more important than this person. God does not do that. Every one of you that have a job, there's honor in it, there's blessing in it, and God has placed you there. Do you know why he's placed you there? So you can bring his life and his light and his love to the people at your job. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing, which means if you don't take Jesus with you, then what you do has no eternal value, and the Bible says that it's wood, it's hay, and it's stubble. What happens to wood, hay, and stubble when you put it in the fire? Well, it burns up. The Scripture says in Corinthians that we'll be tried by fire. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be on fire. It doesn't mean God's going to threaten to throw you in the fire. It just, it's a refining thing. Does that make sense? What happens to gold when you refine it? It gets purer and more valuable. Okay, so here's the thing. The things that you do in your life for God, and it doesn't mean going to church. Thank God you're at church, Right? But it means the things you do every day in your life. It's your job. Stephen, when you go to that school, you go for the glory of God, and you trust God. God got you that job, amen? You don't deserve that job. You're not qualified for that job. How did you get that job? I mean, come on, right? Now, I'm not picking on you, brother. God, The point is God did it. He got you there. You know why? Because he knows you have something to offer. And every day when you walk in the door, You're building gold and silver and precious stone because you're doing it to the glory of God. And y'all know this, right? God's your boss. I worked at a warehouse one time, big, huge warehouse, and guys would go hide in the warehouse and sleep. Seriously, they'd go hide and sleep. And so you'd be pushing your cart, doing what you're supposed to do, and you'd look down there, there'd be a guy asleep. And you'd think, what in the world? You're going to get fired, fool. And most of them did, amen? Amen. But when you work for Jesus, it doesn't matter if the boss is there or not because you're doing it for the glory of God. You're doing it for what Jesus said in the book of John. Without me, you can do nothing, but with me, you can do all things. So when you and I stand before Jesus, you know what the first thing he's gonna do? The first thing he's gonna do is love you. Second thing he's gonna do is tell you he's proud of you. The third thing he's gonna do is wrap his arms around you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. And then he's going to reward you reward you for the things you've done in the kingdom, the things you did as your, it's your job, the things you did as a husband, as a father, the things you did as a wife and a mother and as a grandmother. And then there's going to be some of that stuff. I got some of that stuff that's wood, hay, and stubble, but it's going to be burned up, but it isn't going to matter. And he's going to say, welcome into the kingdom. Welcome into the kingdom. Now, what's the point of that? Here's the point. I desire to please God. I want you to desire to please God. It is my goal to please God. I do not want to live for myself. I don't want, you know, a world that's about self is very small. We say it in Power Kids all the time, don't we? As you water others, you'll be watered also. That's the kingdom of God. That's the life of Jesus Christ. That's gold, silver, and precious stone. Lord, 
I want to live for you today, and I want my life to please you. Isn't that a simple prayer? Isn't that, isn't that a simple way to do it? Lord, I desire to please you in all things. And as you walk in that, your life will grow. Your eternity will grow. Amen? Amen. Close your eyes and let me pray for you. Father God, I want to thank you this morning. First off, just for your love and for your kingdom. Father, I thank you there's no apprehension. There's no fear in being your son or being your daughter. Father God, I thank you this morning that you would stir in us a desire to please you, that it would be our goal to please you, that we would not live another day for ourselves, but that we'd live for you and we would live for others. Father God, I love you. I'm so thankful for this incredible church. I'm so thankful for this amazing body, these amazing brothers and sisters in Christ. Father, I'm so humbled and so honored and so lucky and so blessed to be in this church and to be among this group of people. Father, I love you, and I thank you that you love them and you stir grace in their hearts. You stir a desire to serve you in their hearts. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. Would you all stand up, please?